Good evening, church. Hope you are doing well on this Wednesday. Man, it was great to be uh, back in the house of God with our church family uh, this past Sunday. I know many of you were not there. Uh, probably 40, maybe even 50% of our congregation was not here. And, and listen, we completely understand that. And uh, we want you to continue to, to be safe. And the governor still has a, a shelter in place uh, order uh, for for many uh, people, those over the age of 65, those with um, other underlying health issues. And so we encourage you to continue just to follow that, just to be safe. Uh, overall, I thought Sunday went really, really well. Um, obviously, I was, uh, I want to use the word anxious, but I was a little apprehensive. Uh, as I said, Sunday morning, I would be that way no matter if it was last Sunday or in two months. The reality is uh, this virus is not going away anytime soon, um, even if they have a vaccine for it eventually, and I pray that they do. Not everyone is going to take the vaccine. Not everyone's going to get it right away. And so this is something we're going to be dealing with for a while, and so we have to be um, as cautious as possible. You have probably already read just in the last couple of days of a church here in Georgia all right, um, that began meeting and some people had the virus and it began to spread and so they shut the the services down look Northside is not the only church meeting we're not the only churches having to deal with this many churches are beginning to open their doors in many different states um the the reality is though that if the virus were to begin to spread here it's going to make the news just as it did in Georgia, as it has in other churches. And so we just want to try to limit that as much as possible. So though I thought overall everything went really well this past Sunday, there's a couple things I just want to highlight out to you, highlight to you, and I'm just going to ask you to please, please follow these. Um, number one is we really try need to try to limit our point of contact. That is limit the people that you touch, Really, if you're six feet away, you shouldn't be touching anybody. And you say, well, I think it's safe. I understand that. But that doesn't mean we can't spread the virus if you're asymptomatic. Um, and you may recover fine, but it doesn't mean somebody else won't. So try to limit your point of contact. Try to limit what you touch. Um, really, the only thing you should have to touch when you come in here is the seat that you're sitting in. The doors are open. Um, you should be able to limit the point of contact. So please try to limit that. Secondly, uh, when you come into the sanctuary, please don't stand outside talking in the front or in the foyer talking. When you get here, walk straight into your seat as quickly as you can. Find a seat. Um, you guys did an excellent job once you were there of remaining in your seats. Everybody left and went outside the way they were supposed to, and I'm thankful for that. But I noticed a little bit of congestion and traffic out front um, in, in the foyer and outside. So please, when you get here, come straight in. And then the, the third thing that I would just say um, is just to encourage you, if, you, if you're willing, is, is to wear a mask. Um, especially if, if you can't stay six feet away from other people. Uh, look, there's disagreement on the masks um, medical professionals that I've seen recommend it and I know it's difficult um, I'm, I'm gonna 
strive to wear my mask uh, before the service and after the service when, when I'm talking with people. Um, just because I don't know. I, I may have it and be asymptomatic. And this thing spreads very quickly. And I don't want to be the reason that Northside Baptist Church gets on the news because I had the virus and, and wasn't as cautious as I need, needed to be. Are we going to have to wear masks forever? No. It could be a couple weeks. It could be a month. I, I don't know. Again, the masks aren't mandated. We're not going to turn you away if you don't have a mask. I'm just asking if you have one, wear it. Just be a little extra cautious. And if you're not going to wear a mask, I understand that. But please stay six feet away. People are looking for any reason today to put down the church of Jesus Christ. And as you've already seen, churches, they're in the media. And it's not that they did anything wrong. I don't think it's wrong for us to meet. Uh, they didn't willingly and knowingly, I think, spread the virus. It just shows how contagious this really is. So just be mindful of that. It was a, it was a phenomenal time of worship. Uh, we're going to gather to worship again this Sunday at 1030. It'll be just like last, last Sunday. It'll be a little bit shorter because we won't have the, the graduate recognition. But we'll sing about four songs. I'll preach from the Word of God. Um, and, and, and then we can fellowship a little bit outside uh, at six feet away. And so those are just some thoughts that I had for you uh, tonight. Let me pray and then we're going to jump in uh, to our study tonight. Father God, Lord, I'm just crying out to you for protection. Lord, it was so good to gather to worship this past Sunday. And I know as, as the weeks pass that more and more people, Lord, may feel more comfortable coming, as, especially if the virus continues to uh, trend downward here in Georgia. And so, Lord, we're, we're just asking you, God, that you would sovereignly just protect us. Lord, that no one in our congregation would get sick, that we would not spread the virus, Lord, that we would just use wisdom, and if we're not feeling well, that we would stay home. But God, ultimately, uh, we're trusting in you. Help us to be wise, uh, Lord. It was so good to be here worshiping with with uh, a portion of our church family. It was it was good medicine for my soul, and Lord, we pray, um, God, that that will continue and that we won't be hindered in that. Uh, Lord, give us unity. Help us to maintain that unity. The unity that the Spirit creates, we want to maintain it here at Northside. We want you to be glorified in all things. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. You know, as you think back upon your life, there may be a verse that you read and it's just stuck with you your entire life. Or maybe it was a sermon that you listened to and it was a point the pastor made or an illustration or a point of application and it's, it's remained with you all these days. That happened to me many, many years ago. I, I can't remember. I, I guess maybe I was in, in college, maybe it was beginning early on in my ministry. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was a sermon 
that I heard by John Piper. And I just found it to be so helpful. It was, a, it was a, an application uh, that he, he mentioned. And so um, what I want to do tonight is I just want to share that with you. This is something that I have used many, many, many times in my life. And uh, hopefully it will be a help to you uh, as well. And so 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now in that sermon, there were two main things that John Piper shared that really has remained with me. And, and the first one um, was this. He says, when you take verse 11 in 1 Peter 4 and, and bring it all together, he says, what you see is that you and I can live the Christian life hour by hour in such a way, and he mentions four things, that day by day, hour by hour, we can live our lives in a way that Christ gets trusted. He says that in the last part of verse 11. Um, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So you can live your life in a way that Jesus Christ is trusted in every circumstance, every situation. He says you can also live your life day by day, hour by hour, in such a way that you get helped. That you get helped. Um, notice that he says uh, there in verse 11, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So you can live your life every day in such a way that as you're depending upon the Father, He is helping you. You are receiving the help you need in each and every circumstance. He says you also can live your life day by day in such a way that people get served, that the people around you get served. He says that as well there in verse 11, whoever serves as one who serves. If you are serving, that means you are serving someone. So you can live your life in such a way that as you are following God, other people are served through your life. And then he also points out that you can live your life day by day in every situation in such a way that God receives the glory. Look what Peter says here. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. The strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified. So that was the first thing that I, I thought was extremely helpful in this sermon he preached years ago, is that every day we can live our lives in such a way that Jesus Christ gets trusted, we are helped, people are served, and God gets the glory. So that was the first thing that really uh, stuck out to me. But then there was a second part of that, and it was this. He said, how do you live your life, the Christian life, in everyday challenges that you face? So how do you live your life in such a way that in everyday challenges that you will face, right? Um, Christ is trusted. You are helped. People are served. God gets the glory. How do we do that? And he gives five steps. Five steps. Step. So picture yourself facing some challenge right now. A conversation with an unbeliever. Maybe uh, an upcoming difficult 
doctor's visit. Maybe it's an opportunity to share your testimony. Maybe you've been asked to teach a Sunday school lesson or to share right, your testimony. Maybe it's a job that you are thinking about applying for, an exam you have to take, a move you have to make. Right? These daily challenges that we face, how can we face them? What can we do? And so John Piper gives five biblical steps, and he does this in the acronym APTAT. A-P-T-A-T. And I hope you find this helpful. Again, this is something that I heard years ago that has stuck with me, and I've used it many, many times. It's easy to remember. APTAT. A-P-T-A-T. Five steps, five biblical steps. Number one, he says, in any situation, number one, it begins with an A. You admit. You admit that without Christ, you can do nothing. You admit that without Christ, you can do nothing. Our first step in any and every situation is to admit our utter helplessness apart from Jesus Christ. The scriptures are clear that we are created by Christ. John 1 verses 2 through 3 says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. You would not exist without Him. Right? He has created you. Not only that, He has sustained you. Colossians 1.17, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Or as Acts 17.25 says, God gives to all men life and breath and everything. We are utterly helpless to love God and to live for God's sake without the renovating power, the transforming power of Christ in our lives. John 15.5, Jesus is clear. He says these words, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me or remains in me, right, and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. Then he says this, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So whatever that difficult situation is that you may be faced today, that you may be faced tomorrow or next week in the midst of COVID-19, whenever we have a situation we're facing, we need to begin it by admitting God, apart from you, I can't do this. Apart from the work of Jesus Christ, I am helpless. So it begins with admitting our need for God. The second step then is a P, A P, P, pray for God's help. Pray for God's help. So think about that difficult thing you have to do. You're there taking an ACT or an SAT, an important exam. Or maybe you have to reprimand an employee. Or maybe you're about to enter into the doctor's office and you're not sure what kind of news you're about to receive. Maybe you're in your car. Maybe you're at the office. Maybe you're in a classroom. Maybe you're in the kitchen. Maybe you're in the waiting room. Maybe you're behind the pulpit. And so you admit from your heart that apart from Jesus Christ, you can't do this. You're utterly helpless apart from Him. And then you pray. You simply pray, oh Lord, help me. Please help me. 
I've used this multiple times, right, as I've pulled into a hospital, knowing that when I get into that room, I'm walking into a, a situation in which someone has either lost a loved one or they've just received bad news or they're discouraged. And so sitting there in that car, I admit, God, I don't have the words to say. I don't know what to say. I'm dependent upon you. And then I just pray, Lord, help me. Give me the words to say. Maybe it's a general plea. Maybe it's a specific plea. You sit down to take that test and you say, Lord, help me to recall what I've studied. Or maybe you are prepared to reprimand that employee and so you just say, God, give me the words to say. Or maybe as you're sitting there listening to the doctor, you simply utter the words, help me to accept this news with hopefulness. We are to continually admit our weakness and we are to seek strength and help from God. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So how do we face these challenges? John Piper says we admit. We then pray. We then trust. A-P-T. We trust. We trust in a promise of God, he says, suited to our need. So every day we are confronted with choices. To do right or to do wrong, to be honest or dishonest, to be loving or to be indifferent, to forgive or to keep holding on to a grudge, to speak of Christ or to be silent, to go follow God's leading, right, maybe into the mission field, or to choose to stay home. And every day, as we make these decisions, as we face these different decisions and these choices, right, we have to overcome obstacles that try to keep us from making the right choice. It could be the obstacle of fear. It could be pride. It could be an addiction to comfort, right? Many different obstacles that we could face. They come in all shapes and sizes. And so as we seek to trust God, right, we, we seek a promise of God suited for our need. So after you admit you can't do it apart from Christ, after you pray for God's help, you then trust in a promise of God. That can be, right, a specific promise. So maybe you have an opportunity as you're faced with a circumstance to immediately open God's Word. And so you can go to a specific verse that speaks to your need. So maybe you're struggling with fear. Right, And you remember Psalm, I believe it's in 56, right? when I'm afraid I will trust in you. So you open your Bible and you go to Psalm 56 and you begin to study. You begin to take that promise of God and, and, and that word and that encouragement of God and you begin to put it into your heart and you begin to trust that promise suited for your need. So it could be a specific promise. You could have time to go to the Word of God or it could be a situation where you don't have the Word of God on you. You're faced with something unexpectedly. And in that moment, you need to trust in a promise of God. And so this is where it is important that we have the Word of God stored up in our hearts. So when faced with that circumstance, we can maybe remember Isaiah 41.10, which says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Or maybe you recall Philippians 4.19 that says, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Or maybe you go to Jeremiah 29.11 that says, For I, I, God, knows the plans I have for you. 
and you're just reminded, God, you have a plan and a purpose for my life. I can trust you. So first we admit, then we pray, then we trust in a promise specific that is suited for that need. And then he says we have to act. We admit, we pray, we trust, and then we act. We act with humble confidence in God's help. We act with God's guidance. So after we admit our helplessness, after we pray for God's help, after we trust in His promises, then we got to do something. Right? We have to act. We must step out in faith and do what God is calling us to do. John Piper said, The Spirit of God does not cancel out our will. The work of God does not cancel out our work. We don't say, well, God's going to do it, therefore I don't have to do anything. No, he says the Spirit transforms our will. And God works in us so that we can then work. Philippians 2, 12-13 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. When you have admitted to God that you can do nothing without Him, and you have prayed for His help, and you have trusted in His promise, then you act. I love Psalm 37, verse 5. It says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Our God is at work. Therefore, we can trust Him, and we can join Him in what He's already doing. We can step out in faith, and we can begin to act in confidence that know, in knowing that God is already working and when we do these things right christ is trusted you receive the help and the strength you need people are served god gets the glory all of this is taking place in our lives as we are seeking to follow god but there's one more t we admit we pray we trust we act and then this is important we thank we thank god Thank God in all things. Thank God for the good that comes. Right? This is what we should naturally do. The one who gives the help should receive the glory. God gives us the help, therefore He alone receives the glory. And one way we glorify Him is by thanking Him. So think about that situation. And maybe you're guilty of this as well. You're facing something that you acknowledge is beyond your ability to do. You're sitting down there. You're taking that difficult test. You've tried to study, but you're nervous. You're anxious, right? So you, you begin to go through these steps, right? You begin to admit. You, you begin to pray, asking God to help you. You begin to trust in Him, right? You act. You take the test. You don't run and flee and say, I'm not doing it. No, you take it. And then when you walk out of there, thank God. Thank God for His goodness. Thank God for His strength. When you're there in the doctor's office, whether you get the news that says, hey, the test is all clear, or you get word that, hey, this is going to be a difficult journey ahead. Regardless, be quick to thank God for His provision, for His goodness, for His presence in your life. Some people have a hard time crying out for help. Other people have a hard time thanking God when He helps. We need to be a people who do both. Who are quick to say, God, help me. And then we say, thank you, God, for helping me. 
So I hope this has been encouraging to you tonight. This is something that I've shared in every church that, that I've pastored. Again, this is something that just personally in my life that, that I heard years ago that is that has stuck with me. I've used it many, many times. I've even used it since I've been here um, as your pastor. And, and so just know you can live out your way, your life in such a way that Christ gets trusted, you receive the help, people are served, God gets the glory. And you do that by admitting, praying, trusting, acting, and thanking God. To God be the glory. Pray this has been an encouragement to you tonight. Um, continue to follow God. Continue to trust God. Continue to give God the glory. Uh, we love you, and we'll see you soon. Have a good night.